Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Romans, uh, chapter 11, verses 35, through the end of that chapter, and then the first five verses of chapter 12. The verses should appear behind me on the screen, and if you're following from a pew Bible, it looks like it's on page 803. All right, starting with Romans 11, verse 35. Who was ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober, sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us, has one body with many members, and these members do not ha all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. May God bless the reading of his word. This morning, I want you to think for a moment about what your heart longs for the most. If you were to be still long enough to really think about, to really process what it is that you truly want, how would you respond? What would you write down if you were trying to determine the deepest longing of your heart? There's lots of things that we do to try to satisfy an emptiness that is within us. The challenge is far too often we seek for things that can never really meet our need. As I was meditating on this and, and thinking about both my own heart as well as many, many others, 
I've come to the conclusion that I believe that as humans, we all have seven longings of the heart that we, be, that we um, crave beyond all else. There may be more, and they may be in a different order for you than they are for me, but I think this is a pretty good representative list. The first one is that we all long for intimacy without shame or fear. The way I've been sharing it in, especially as we did our study in Ephesians, is to be fully known and fully loved. We long for an intimacy that has no fear and no shame, where there's nothing between us. The second one is we long for true connection and community with others. The little video clip was a reminder that this is a need that each and every one of us have, and we'll explore this a little bit from the scriptures as we move on. The third one is a longing for joy, pure delight and wonder. This is bigger than pleasure. Um, Pleasure is often what we pursue in the place of joy, but joy is something deeper. It resonates deep within your heart, and you can almost feel its vibration. When you you are really joyful, not only do you smile, um, sometimes you dance, and I know Zemina wanted to dance today, and I give you permission. You can dance. Go for it. Um, Joy is what we long for, and it's amazing when we experience it. The fourth one is a longing for beauty. Our world and our lives are so often filled with brokenness that it feels like we live under a shadow. And yet there are moments, even within that darkness, when the glorious beauty of a sunset or of a child's smile penetrates the darkness and we say, yes, that is true beauty. It's better than anything you see on television, anything you see at the movie theater. It is beauty that is absolutely pure. We long for that. Not the false images of the media or of our culture, but a true beauty to be enjoyed just because it is. The fifth one is a longing for purpose and significance. Think about this. What drives you to go to work Every day, yes, in part, is your paycheck, but it's much more than that. You're longing to do something that's meaningful, that's significant, that has purpose, because it's a part of who we are. Number six, we have a longing for peace within and with others, wholeness. We want to be whole. And the seventh one is a longing for a legacy. To have what we do last beyond this life, to make a difference, to make a difference in the lives of others, in our family, in our friends, in people that we don't even know, we all long for legacy. Somewhere in that list is one that you're hungry for right now, that there's a desire to have that be a reality in your life that is driving you. The challenge today is to make sure that we're looking in the right place to find the fulfillment.
And here's the beautiful thing about our amazing God. These seven things are exactly what God offers us through Jesus Christ. He offers us every single one of those because he loves us. He made us and he knows us best. One of my favorite quotes is from, is from John Piper, and he puts it this way. He sums up these, these seven as one by saying, the deepest longing of the human heart is to know and enjoy the glory of God. We were made for this. Years ago, I probably would have not used that exact phrase. I might have said to know and obey God. But I really like enjoy so much better. Because the truth is, even as Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we learn to enjoy God for who he is, obedience becomes like breathing because it is the desire of our heart to grow ever closer to an infinite God. Maybe you are here this morning and you're not sure about what you believe. You're not sure about this whole Jesus thing. You're not sure about religion or Christianity. Maybe you've been in a place where your experience with church was primarily about what you are supposed to do and what you aren't supposed to do. The news of the gospel that Jesus brought to us is that he came so that we can enjoy the one purest pleasure in all the universe, God himself. It's not a duty It is the deepest delight you will ever experience. And if if it's hard for you to imagine that, I just want to challenge you to pray to the Lord, just right where you are right now, say, Lord, I want to delight in you. I don't even know what that means yet, but if that is, as this strange guy up front who looks a little weird and talks funny, if if what he's saying is true, I want it. You're not going to get it from me, but you will get it from him if you seek that. Lord, I want to learn to enjoy you. It's a simple prayer, but it will transform your life if you pray it. Peter Kraft, who's a a great Catholic apologist um, who I've I've gained a lot from reading some of his books, Um, he's kind of this generation's G.K. Chesterton in some ways. He, He puts it this way. He says, trying to fill the God-sized hole in our hearts with things other than God is like trying to fill the Grand Canyon with marbles. Now, maybe you don't have an idea of what the Grand Canyon looks like, but it is hundreds and hundreds of kilometers, and it's incredibly deep. So you picture the biggest amazing hole in the earth you could ever fathom, and think about trying to fill that one at a time with a marble with a little ball about this big, that's what we attempt to do when we try to fill our life, fill the emptiness within us with something other than God. But here's what God offers us. He offers us real intimacy without shame. He knows us completely and loves us fully. And only God can do that because he is the one who knows the real you. Not the front that you put out on Facebook, not the front that you put out when you come to church or when you go to the workplace or even with your family. The real you with all the anxieties, all the fears, all the mess 
that you are, no offense, but you are, because I am too. So um, he knows that you and he loves you. Knowing all that about you, he gave his son so that you could not only know him, but we're going to discover be completely united with him. The scripture tells us that God delights in us. When we come to him through faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, we enter into his pleasure, his delight. And there's no shame because all of our shame, all of our sin is covered by the righteousness of Christ. If we could really believe that that is true, you would learn to run into the arms of the Father. If you believed he really saw you pure in Christ, not because you deserve it or I deserve it, but because Jesus Christ gave it to us. How amazing is that? And he says, I don't want you to be my servant. I don't want you to be my employee. I want you to be my child. We should run to the arms of the Father. He has given us true intimacy. Secondly, we long for a, a true connection. This is another level that is both interactive and relational. This is the longing not only to be loved, but to express love. Intimacy is a gift of love from God. Connection is the expression of love that we give that by his power that we're able to give back to him and to others. This is why it's so important that we, that we find intimacy with God, but we also find connection with him and with others. He made us to be a community. He made us to be a family. We need each other incredibly. That's why Jesus said the two commandments have, um, have two aspects to them. The greatest commandment is that we love God with all that we are, all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. And then we express that love by loving our neighbor as ourselves. The vertical love is always expressed in a horizontal love for others. It's the connection that God calls us to. And by the way, the Bible says boldly in 1 John that God is love. Love is, is a manifestation of who he is. And this reality necessitates what we often refer to as the Trinity or the three persons of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If there's only one person, you cannot have love. Love has to be expressed. It has to be connected. And, and so that simple statement, God is love, by necessity means that there must be more than one person who is God, absolutely the same in character and in nature, but unique in personality and in relationship with one another. And it's incredibly beautiful. And in that relationship, in that love, is what you and I are invited into. Augustine, um, he, he did his best to describe the mystery of the Trinity, and he, he did it this way. He said, God the Father is the lover Jesus the Son is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is personified in the love between them. Now, I don't know if that's 
perfectly accurate? I don't think so because God is so much bigger than our minds can truly comprehend. But it's a good place to start to see that that relationship is what God values so much and it's what he invites us into. He not only loves us and offers us real intimacy without shame, he offers us true connection with him and with one another as expressions of love. Too often, though, we try to find other ways to fill that emptiness. The truth is we can possess every treasure this world has to offer, but if we do not have communion with God who is love, we have nothing. In the same right, we can have nothing of earthly possessions, but when we have constant communion, connection with God, intimacy with God, we have all that we need. That's the beautiful truth of the gospel. Your soul longs for a God-sized love, a God-sized intimacy, a God-sized connection. And without a relationship with him, our souls will be left empty no matter how much we try to stuff things inside of us or relationships or success or power or anything else. Only God can fill it. We long for that intimacy, and we long for connection. This week, Becky and I um, watched the, the movie uh, Tolkien, and it's the story or some of the backstory of the youth of the author of the, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Most, most of us would be familiar with that. And, and the, the center point of the, the movie really revolves around his relationship with three of his friends from school. And they had a fellowship, they had a connection together that, that lasted um, all through their school years into university, and, and it was eventually broken by World War I, where two of them died. But that fellowship, that connection, combined with this deep faith in God, influenced everything that he wrote. That's why the first book of the Lord of the Rings is the Fellowship of the Ring, because he recognized that humanity desperately needs connection, not only with God, but with each other. That's what we're focusing in on today, is that true connection, what the Bible refers to and uses the word fellowship. And that's where he pulled it in the the idea for his book. He pulled it straight from the scriptures, fellowship. Now, fellowship's not a word that we, we tend to use in the culture. Um, it's, it's a little bit old-fashioned, but it is deep with meaning. And in fact, when you, when you look at fellowship, the word fellowship, at least in the NIV, occurs 99 times in the Bible, 13 times in the New Testament, 86 times in the Old Testament. And in both places, we find um, great insight to what God means by this word. The New Testament word is koinonia, and it means fellowship, connection, community, communion, um, to share, the share in which one has in anything, participation. Um, It also means a gift jointly contributed, a collection, a contribution as exhibited as embodiment of fellowship. 
So true fellowship, if we're to experience it, means sharing. It is each one participating in the body of Christ, each person who believes in Christ being connected to the body in a way that you are actively engaged in sharing your life with others. True connection is ultimately putting the pieces of the body of Christ together. And it is the process of believers being connected together as one in Jesus Christ. Now, I've used this before, but it's a good one. So it's been about three years, and our church changes so much. I'm, I'm going to use it again. Would you take one of these upstairs? So what I want you to do is I want you to pick out a puzzle piece. Make sure you get a good one because this piece represents your life, okay? So don't pick an ugly piece. You're all beautiful. So pick a good piece. Pick one where you like its shape. Pick the best piece you can find in there because it represents you. Um, I know some of you will spend a little time digging through and you're, you're hoping to find a corner piece. Just so you know, I already took one because I do that. It's the first thing you look for when you're doing a puzzle. But I want you to look for a piece, pick one out, and then and pass the, the, you know, don't spend the whole time of my sermon on it, but pick out a good one and, and allow that to represent you. And hopefully this will make sense as we go through the scriptures. True connection, fellowship, and oneness is incredibly important to God. On Jesus' last night before his crucifixion, he prayed for the disciples and he prayed for you. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. If you don't take anything else away from here besides a puzzle piece and, and perhaps a, a slight nap, make sure that you zero in on this passage. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays for you. If you want to know how he feels about you, what he prays for you, what he wants for you, read John chapter 17. Because it is a prayer personalized for you and for me and for everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. Here's what he prays in John 17, verse 11. Holy Father, speaking of us, keep them in your name, which you have given to me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus wants you to be absolutely secure. That's why he's praying, and he's praying not because the Father's not going to do it anyway. He's praying so that we can hear his will. We can hear God's promise for us because everything that Jesus prays is yes. God the Father says yes. So when he prays that the Lord would keep us, this means nothing can snatch us out of his hand, not even you. If you, have a, if you have genuinely placed your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, if that is real, then you are absolutely secure, not because you're good, but because Jesus prayed to the Father that he would keep you. Isn't that great? No matter what comes against us, that's why the scripture in Romans says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? And he gives a whole list of different things. You know, we looked at this as we were looking at spiritual warfare in Romans chapter 8. He gives us absolute security. He asks the Father to hold on to you. And he asks the Father to connect us together with the same love and intimacy with which Jesus was connected to God the Father. Church, that is amazing when you really allow it to sink in and not just 
you know, hear those words, but to say, that's what he wants for you. That's the connection he wants you to experience. The same kind of love, the same kind of intimacy, the same expression of love through connection that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit enjoy and have enjoyed for all eternity. That's what he wants for you. In fact, in this prayer, he answers most of those seven longings that I began with earlier. He wants you to have absolute peace, one of those sayings. That's why he, he, he wants us to know that we're secure in his hand. He wants you to have real intimacy with God the Father. He wants you to have true connection with others. Um, and two more of our heart's deepest needs. In one sentence, that Jesus prayed for you. And in case you doubt it, look what he says in verses 20 through 26. I do not ask for these only, meaning the disciples that were with him there, but also for those who believe in me through their word, which is you and I. He's praying for you and I right here in these verses, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. When we're united together, when we're truly connected with one another, it displays the greatest witness that Jesus is who he says he is. It's better than any evangelism program. It's better than any sermon any preacher could ever preach. It's better than any revival. When we are unified as one, it declares that Jesus is Lord. It's important. It's vital that we be connected together. And look at what he says next in verse 22. The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one. Do you realize what that's saying? The God of the universe, Jesus, who, to whom belongs all glory, says, I want you to have it. I want you to participate in the greatness of who I am. And that's found in being one with me and one with one another. Wow. Father, verse 24, I desire that they also whom you have given to me may be where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the earth. Uh, the world, excuse me. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name and will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus continues to pray for you and I to experience that intimacy and that connection. That's why I say it's the most important thing you'll hear this morning. It's incredible. He prays that we'll have real, ex real intimacy with God and true connection with, with each other to experience deep joy and wonder that God designed before creation. He wants us into, to enter into the beauty of God's love and work. He gives us purpose that leads to greatness. He prays for your peace and wholeness within and with others. And he prays for you and I to have a legacy that we will celebrate together in Jesus' presence for all eternity. Every longing of our heart is found in Jesus Christ. 
But Jesus will not fulfill his prayer for you unless we choose to respond, unless we choose to be connected. He doesn't force us into intimacy. It is offered as a gift. And we have to respond. Well, that brings me to the puzzle pieces. And, and here's the thing. The pieces have three dimensions to them. And this is what I, I hope that this simple little illustration will help you remember what God offers us. And we were made to do three things. Number one, to enjoy God. That's the picture on top. The picture that you chose, the little piece of the picture, is a reminder that you are part of his masterpiece. He tells us in Ephesians, we we looked at multiple times in recent weeks, that we are his workmanship. And it's a a term for beauty. Poemo, it means poetry. You are a beautiful masterpiece that God has designed. And so when you look at that, you need to remember that you are part of his masterpiece and you are designed to enjoy him. But if you turn that piece over and you look at the backside, the downside, my wife somewhat warned me not to talk too much about looking at backsides. So I was trying to to figure out how to say this right and I already blew it. If you look at the downward side there, you'll notice It's all the same. There's not one backside that's better than another backside. They're all the same. I know, go ahead, get in trouble. You'll remember it now, all right? And this simply reminds us, it's not about us. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. There's no comparison. We're the same. We don't find our glory in This side, the downward side, we find the greatness, the joy in life in being part of the masterpiece that God is is putting together that reflects the greatness of Jesus Christ. Those two dimensions. We were designed to enjoy God and elevate Jesus. The reason why the backside is just, just plain is it reminds us to keep our focus not on ourselves, but on lifting up Jesus. And then there are the sides. We're made not only to enjoy God and to elevate Jesus, but to encourage one another. The edges of the puzzle are made for community. They're made to fit together. You and I need to be part of the body of Christ. And whether you're here in Prague for for just a short period of time or for an undeterminable future, maybe you, you live here permanently, you need to be connected to a local body of believers and to be active in that church. And if it's not here, that's okay. There are amazing churches in this city. God is doing beautiful things. My prayer, my my plea for you is get connected somewhere because you're made for that. They need you, we need you, and you need us. The last thing we want to do is to be a one piece of the puzzle. How frustrating is that? To go through life unconnected and to be missing from what God wants to do in putting us together with other believers so that we reflect the greatness of who God truly is. Our passion 
should be to enjoy God for who he is. Our purpose is to elevate Jesus above ourselves and everything else, and our pursuit is to live as one in Jesus Christ with one another. The Bible calls this fellowship. That's why next week we're having our ministry fair, because there's two dimensions of being connected. Number one, connecting to one another, and so we're gonna highlight and celebrate the many different um, small groups and Bible studies that you can be a part of. And if you don't find one that fits, that's okay. You come see me or, or come see my wife or come see one of the elders and we'll do our best to say, great, how can you help us start one? Okay, beautiful answer. Because we need to be connected together. We need relationship with each other. We cannot do this on our own. And you will be missing out on what your soul longs for. I'm appealing to you to to go ahead and be selfish in this one area because you need it and we need you. We need to be connected together. Well, what's the purpose of, of that true connection, of fellowship? Well, we see it in Jesus' prayer as well. If I back up to the beginning, he gives us the very purpose of his own life and of us being connected to him and to one another. In John chapter 17, verse one, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. That's our purpose as well. And glorify again is is kind of a churchy word. It simply means show his greatness and his goodness. Our purpose in life is to show the greatness and goodness of God to everyone around us. And we need to be connected together to do that. Verses four and five. I have glorified you on earth. This is what Jesus is saying. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus came with a purpose to do the will of the Father. He's given you and I a purpose as well to continue his work. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus, in his return, in part was to be exalted for who he is, and so he could intercede on the behalf of us so that we complete his work, that we reflect his greatness and his glory, because that's what he said in verse 22. The glory that you have given to me I have given to them that they may be one. Man, this is so amazing that this is what God wants for us. Now, I told you, I realized I went too long already. I told you the definition of the New Testament word fellowship and that the purpose of true fellowship is to bring glory and worship to God. We're made to to elevate him. True connection reaches up first to show the greatness of God, but then true connection reaches out to bless others. Now, where did I get that? I got that both from the koinonia, the word in the New Testament, and from the word in the Old Testament, because most of the time when you see the word fellowship, it is connected with an offering, in the, in the Old Testament, during the sacrificial system that we're there to point the way to our need to have someone else be a sacrifice for us, which is what Jesus did, there are many different kinds of offerings. 
And most of them had to do either with a vow or they would deal with a sin offering. Maybe there was, there was unintentional sin in your life. You would take an offering in recognition that you needed your sins to be covered. But there was one particular offering that in many ways was the most beautiful, and it was called the fellowship offering. And the fellowship offering, you can read about it in in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, and its purpose was to bring an offering of your own desire to the Lord. And you would give that offering to the Lord, but then what would happen is a portion of that, a representation would be given up to God, would be burnt, and the rest of it was a party, okay? You would give an offering to the Lord, and then a portion also would be given for his work, and so the priests and the Levites would have a portion, and then the rest was a time in which you invited family and friends, and you feasted together, and so you would give a gift to the Lord that honored him, but was also for the benefit and joy of others. That's a fellowship offering. And it's amazingly beautiful. And by the way, this is one of the reasons why Jesus makes the point so powerfully in the Gospels when he says, when you have a feast, especially if you're having a fellowship offering feast, invite the poor. Do you realize that when our teams go out and they serve the homeless, they're offering a fellowship offering. They're giving themselves to the Lord but they're blessing and benefiting others. Isn't that beautiful? It's not just about meeting a need of a person on the street. It's about honoring the Lord and and getting to participate in the blessing of God being poured out on someone else. And some of you, that's the other part of the ministry fair is you get to find out about some of these amazing, incredible ministries all over the city that you can be connected with because God has a place for you to serve to use your gifts, your passions, your desires in powerful and amazing ways. The fellowship offering was not a potluck. It was a party where all were invited. That's what the church is supposed to be, is we give ourselves to God to bless one another. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's incredible. This is exactly what is being said in the passage of Scripture that Christine read for us. She read from Romans chapter 11 and 12. In verse 33, it says of chapter 11, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of our Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever and ever. What He's saying is God has shared with us His very thoughts, His very desire. And he's letting you know that the truth, the beginning point is that it's all about him, about showing his greatness and his goodness. When we get that fact cemented deep into our heart, it frees us up to live a life abandoned to joy, incredible joy. And with that background of saying everything belongs to him, Then he goes on to say, now I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, as a fellowship offering given to me 
for the benefit of others, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And from that, when we offer ourselves, he goes right into talking about the body, about other believers. For by the grace given to me, I say that everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has given For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Here's what he's saying. There's a perspective of true connection that enables us to live a life abandoned to joy. And it is this. We have the right view of God. Number one, it's all about him the top of the puzzle piece. Secondly, we have the right view of ourselves. It's not about us. That's why it's plain. It's not about you. And the right view of others, the sides of the puzzle piece that connect together. Those three perspectives, when we live with that view, it sets us free to truly have a life of connection an abandonment to God. The right view of God, the right view of ourselves, and the right view of others. That's why Jesus um, tells us so much about the viewpoint that we are to have towards others. That's why he says, who would be the greatest among you? Let him become the servant of all. In recognition that even as this passage says, that each one of us is unique. That's the other thing I love about the simple illustration is every puzzle piece is different. No two are the same because God designed you for his purpose and you're just as vital, just as important. Though your gifts, your abilities, your opportunities may be different, they're just as valuable to God as anyone else. And as I, several weeks ago, maybe months ago, we were talking about the church, and I used this illustration that I think, I think worked pretty well. I reminded you that elbows and knees work exactly the opposite. Does anybody remember that? Okay. Because sometimes we think there's only one way to do things, and of course, it's my way. My way is right. God may call someone else to do exactly the opposite because elbows and knees work directly backwards. And it's a good thing because otherwise you would not be very mobile. You would not be able to get around. God made you, you. And you need to give freedom to others to let them be who God made them to be. And we are to become one in Jesus Christ. We're to be connected to each other. True connection results from giving all of ourselves to God for the benefit of others. So are you connected? Because that's the first step. The practical assignment is if you're not connected, if you're just coming on Sundays, thank you for coming. But my invitation would be now it's time to get more connected. Make sure you come next week so you get to hear from all these different groups and leaders and you get to explore and check out and say, Lord, where where do you want to use me? Where do you want me to encourage another group of people? Where do you want me to serve? 
And there are all kinds of groups. In fact, in the bulletin, every week we list a bunch of them. Uh, Let me just go through them quickly because I need you to see how many opportunities you have to get connected. All right? Tuesday nights, Uhaliki has an amazing group at the Marshalls. It's sometimes, we used to call it a small group. Sometimes I, I think it's more like a city because oftentimes there are tons and tons of people at the Marshalls and they seem to never leave. It's awesome. They start with a meal together and then Bible study. And then there's a, an incredible Tuesday group in Prague 10. Um, yeah, see? If you're, if you're part of the young adult group in Prague 10, just let it out. Say yes. Yeah. All right, now don't you want to be a part, even if you're old like me? Because they're amazing. It's cool. There's a, and there's a group in Prague 5 that meets every other Wednesday. It's a group for working adults. And yeah, and, yeah see? Yes. Job and Yana host that. And they, they again, food. Okay? Fellowship offering was a party. If you want to know one of the reasons why we have small groups in the home and we don't necessarily do them uh, at, a, at some other facility, it's because it's meant to eat together because fellowship together involves food. Amen. Okay? See, you're getting it. Some of you guys are really missing out. All right, Wednesday night group, Prague 3. Um, Ken Eichmann's group, this group has been going on for for long before we, we got here, and they're amazing. They do some great in-depth studies, and they have incredible fellowship together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, see? See, you got fans for every one of these. It's awesome. On Saturdays um, in Prague 6, Myron and Lara have a, a, a great group, and, and, and there's designed for families. They have, they have babysitters to watch the kids so that the adults get to actually spend time together and talk about things. How? yeah. Yeah, lots of kids. See, it's amazing. And we got a brand new group in Prague 4, Pruhaniki. Um, Mark and Onetta are starting. It's going to be kicking off just in a a couple of weeks. And and so if you haven't been connected, especially if you're kind of on that south side of the city, here's another opportunity for you to get connected. In the same way, we have all kinds of Bible studies for men and women's. There's an amazing, you heard about it a couple weeks ago, the newcomer's encouragement. If you're new to Prague and you're trying to figure out where to find stuff and how to get around and, and all kinds of other crazy questions, join the newcomer's group. You'll see it in the bulletin. Yes, you go, Angel, all right, and everybody else that's in there. The ladies' Bible studies on Thursday and Saturdays. I happen to know the lady who does that, and she's awesome. It's a... And, Woo-hoo. Yeah, all right, that's a great one. Also on Thursdays um, in Prague 6, the story, the New Testament, is looking at the overview picture of Scripture, and it's a time of just intimate fellowship together. And Christy Gasho and Nora Cockman, they lead that group. It's a great place to get connected. Band of Brothers on Saturdays at Starbucks. What's not awesome about that? It could start... It could start at nine for me, and I would be happier. But it's a great thing, okay? That's just me being lazy. Terry Chumley leads that, and they do a great job. They really are a band of brothers. On Tuesdays, Mondays, we don't know yet. It's either on Monday or on Tuesday because they're still working that out. There's the power lunch, and Jim Barnes is leading that, and the announcement for that will be coming out soon. Those are some great ones. Youth Praha, every Friday night amazing. And there's so many more. 
Yunnan's beginning, uh, has a, a Chinese moms group that meets on Friday mornings. We have all of our different cultural language congregations, Chinese fellowship on Sunday evenings, Indonesian fellowship right after church here at the Bridge Center, the Filipino fellowship that meets on Saturdays. There's all kinds of ways to get connected. And by the way, you don't have to be Filipino to go. You just have to love people. Most, a lot of their stuff is in English, and you may never learn a new language. So go. It's amazing. Here's the thing. You're made for connection, and my appeal to you is get connected. It's really as simple as that because your heart longs for it. So don't let the enemy, don't let distraction, don't let whatever craziness is going to happen next Sunday because I know it will happen that kind of, you know, makes you late and you're, and you're debating about whether should we go to church today or not. I don't know. I'm kind of tired. You know, whatever. Don't let the distraction keep you from experiencing a greater joy by being connected together as the body of Christ. You've got great opportunities. We just need to pursue them. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you not only bring us to yourself, but Lord, you give us an amazing family to be connected to, to do life together with. Lord, you, you made us so that we don't have to do life alone. You've given us community. And Lord, that is a treasure that far too often we take for granted. So Lord, my prayer is to echo your prayer, Lord Jesus. Would you make this church one. And by praying for that, I pray not just for the, the church that we call ICP, but for all the believers that gather in the city of Prague, for ICP, for Prague Christian Fellowship, for Faith Community, for Heart Prague, for, for the CB churches and the KS churches, Lord, for the Baptist churches that are here, Lord, would you make us one connect our hearts and our lives together because we want to see Jesus be lifted up. Oh, Lord, would you do it because we need it, but even more because it will exalt and lift up Jesus Christ. You are the lion and the lamb. You are heaven come to earth to bring us the deepest longings of our heart. So, Lord, we praise you and as we worship you in this next song, Lord, help us then also to worship you by saying, I want to connect. I want to find a place within the body where, where I can live out who you want me to be and bless the lives of others. Thank you in advance, Lord, for what you are doing. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.